Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Group 5 Deep Dive, and I'm Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello. We've made it through Week Zero's appetizer course. We're ready for the main course, the full entree of games. Going to start on Thursday night, stretch all the way through Labor Day. Lots of FBS, FCS matchups, Group of Five teams actually hosting some home games, which is interesting for the first time in a while that I've seen that on a slate, multiple games. Brett McMurphy and I got into that on the recap episode on Monday. And just a bit of housekeeping this week because of that full Thursday slate. Colin and Stucky's full breakdown will drop Thursday morning, a full day early. So the season has come in full swing here. We're excited here at the Action Network and I'm going to go to you first, Ionello, in terms of your overall emotions. It's been a long slog through the offseason. There's been openers and lines floating around for week one for months. So there's been some interesting line movements. There's also that storm down in the Gulf of Mexico that has the potential to impact some totals, maybe some game cancellations, move up, move back, kickoff times. Lots of intrigue. But where's your head at as we head into week one? So obviously I'm very excited. But I'm also very nervous because looking in the action app, I got absolutely hosed week zero, did horrible, just bloodbath for your boy. But you mentioned it, these lines have been out for months and they're all we have to look at, you know, have a little too many cocktails on a Saturday night. You start firing late night. It starts to add, add up after a while. I have like 28 bets going this weekend, which is way more than I usually have. So if I have a week like I did last week, I may be sleeping on your couch next month. And you mentioned the the line, getting the line movement, obviously with this much time, they move a lot. And I have like really good closing line value on most of my bets, which makes me super nervous because I feel like when I have good CLV, I always tend to lose. So I'm like very nervous for this Saturday. 
Yeah, I'm going to send more spot one of the bets that I fired into the Action Network over the summer that I'm not going to advocate for this week. It's a total that's moved by six and a half points. So I liked over 56 and a half, 57 between Texas State and Baylor. That's bubbled up close to 63 now. So through some key numbers as well. Um, before we get into our, our best. Wait, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll tease one later. I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are on it at the end when we usually do our like best of the rest type of thing. It's been so long. I've accidentally bet the same game twice. That's a lot. I bet it, and I was like, I already bet this. <laughs> so I, you're, I, I got a lot going on this week. Speaking of the full slate, for those who are listening in for the first time, it's going to be very similar to last year. We're going to go through our G5 Heroes of the Week, our best bets, our round robin to help you put together you know, a five-team either parlay or a round robin every single week, and then our underdog money line parlay. Hopefully, we're a little bit more successful than we were last year. So let's get it kicked off with some positivity. I'm going to start with my G5 Hero of the Week in Week Zero. I can be your hero, baby. You can take Taryn Shive. For those of you not familiar, I can't blame you. He is the kickoff specialist for San Jose State. And a lot of people like to point out that Chevin Cordero and the offense got a cook in there. They got a backdoor cover. It wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Shive with the little baby onside kick where it looks like he misses the ball and it just trickles and goes exactly 10 yards, perfectly executed. They end up going down stalling inside the USC 20. But if USC had recovered that ball, they certainly would have scored and been able to cover in the fourth quarter. So a shout out to Shive. Also, I love San Jose State's website because they have an embedded NIL link. So for 10 bucks, he'll record a cameo style video for us. If he makes the podcast again as a hero, I'm certainly going to dial that up. And for 34 bucks, he'll autograph just about anything. So if you made some money on San Jose State with that backdoor cover, you should probably hit up Shive and ask for his Johnny Hancock on a football. All right, who's your G5 hero from week zero? Uh, first, I just want to say my, my brother is a, he's a very casual college football fan. He's an NFL guy. He texted me during that game. So is San Jose State a wagon or does USC's defense just suck? And I said, a little bit of both. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I would go a little bit more towards the USC defense not bad. taking a step forward. I mean, Bear Alexander looked good at times, but he was loafing at times. And, like, he needs to be, like, a transformational player on their D-line to be able to stop the run. And you saw the the Spartans hit some big plays in the run game, quarterback scrambles. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's a mixed bag, but I'm less impressed with USC's defense as opposed to already had pretty good expectations. I mean, Cordero was the Mountain West preseason player of the year. I think he kind of played up to it, you know, playing on the road at a Power 5 school. All right, your G5 hero. Yes, for my G5 hero of the week, which I think we should name the Bailey Zappi Memorial Award. I'm wearing my jersey. He was cut today by that scumbag Bill Belichick. So pour one out for our boy Zappi. I'm going with UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel. He is my hero of the week because I mentioned it. I got wrecked on Saturday. I went 0-2 on the show, lost every bet, except my Jacksonville State bet, thanks to this bumbling moron. I asked you during our Conference USA previews, is, is Dimmel just a bad coach? And we got our answer on Saturday. He stinks, and he's my hero because his idiosity won me a bet. UTEP outgained Jacksonville State by nearly 100 yards. Hardison had dudes open all game. He continually mismanaged the clock. He called uh, what he had. He took a delay a game after a timeout. So he tried to take a timeout and he realized you can't do that anymore. Which is like, why do you need a timeout? You just took one. He's so stupid. They were in field goal range, marching down the field, down three, third and one on the twenty-four yard line. He calls a freaking goal line fade from the twenty-four yard line. 
obviously doesn't work because unless you have Calvin Johnson, a goal line fade never works. It's the dumbest play in football. Every coach will be fired as soon as they call it a goal line fade. And then instead of kicking the time field goal or just like run the ball for a yard and keep your drive going, throws another pass, game ceiling interception, Jacksonville State wins. So he is my G5 here of the week because his incompetence kept me from going 0-4. Thank you, Dana Dimmel. I love it because honestly, when they got into that like T formation where like the fullback and tight end is like basically in the back pocket of Hardison and then they run like a, almost a naked boot with only one receiver and then Jacksonville State like triple covered him. I was like, I think I'm going to win this bet, even though to your point, Jacksonville State was outclassed in that game. Oh, yeah. you know, halfway through, if you could have offered it to me, do you want to switch sides? I would have gone UTEP. But, you know, the combination of the play calling mistakes and then their lone big play in the passing game getting overturned, that touchdown pass in the end zone. There's just a little, you know, gambling fairy dust sprinkled all over that Jacksonville State. I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you've noticed this, too, but like I think our most loyal fan base, like the, the fans I get the most tweets from involving our podcast are UTEP fans. We have a ton of UTEP fans that listen to the show and I feel bad for them because I tweeted it on Saturday. I'm like, does he last the season? And like, I got a lot of replies from UTEP fans who are not happy at all. Yeah, I, I think there's there's no too. chance. Yeah, there's no chance he's their coach next year. You'd argue the rest of the way, like they have a veteran quarterback, even though he's just not all that accurate. They have arguably the best wide receiver in the conference. Deion Hankins, a.k.a. Tankins, running behind that offensive line. They should be mint. This team should absolutely be a bowl. Akari Day looked really good too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Year. Like from a player-to-player basis – this is a good team. But then when you put it all together and the decision-making from the coaching staff, it kind of, you know, puts that all to the wayside. So I, I agree with you. This is, I think he's coaching for his job down the stretch and he puts himself in a hole losing to what should have been a W on his schedule. All right. We're going to get into best bets. As I mentioned, best bets, round robin parlay, as well as the, the um, underdog money line parlay. So I'm going to get started. Colorado State catching 12 and a half. I mentioned it at the top. One of the rare group of five teams hosting a power five team. They get Wazoo in Fort Collins. And I beat the drum all offseason. You can go back and listen to our Mountain West preview with Colin Wilson as well. Colorado State just has a fantastic collection of offensive skill talent. Torrey Horton, Justice Ross Simmons, Dallin Holker, Kobe Johnson as their starters from the skill position grouping. I love that. I think two of them probably could be all Mountain West. And Kobe Johnson, a transfer in from North Dakota State, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people at running back. It all works with Clay Millen, who is freakishly accurate despite getting sacked more than any quarterback in the whole country last year. They gave up 59 sacks, still completed 72.2% of his passes. What do they do? They go into the portal. They bring in a ton of transfers from the FCS and D2 level. They got a lot bigger. They bring in 66 career starts through the portal. Hopefully the offensive line goes from an F to a C. Because I think if it's at just a mediocre level in terms of FBS football, this offense is going to pop. Then when I look at Wazoo, they got a new DC, and this is from a team that couldn't generate pressure last year. And then when you look at where they lost folks from a team that was already 73rd in sack rate, their most disruptive player, Diane Henley, 12 tackles for loss, he's gone. Francisco Malinoa transfers to Miami at linebacker. Those are two guys who are generating a lot of pressure, making plays in the opposing backfields gone so I like that and I do understand that they brought in some interesting pieces through the portal but if you want to catch a team that has a lot of new portal pieces on defense you want to do it early you want to do it at home and then when it goes into you know the passing game for Wazoo Colorado State had one strength down the stretch it was their pass defense they finished 23rd in yards per attempt allowed 19th in pass D overall rarely got burned with the big play 
They welcome back four of their five starters in the secondary. I think this is just a strength-on-strength kind of matchup. Wazoo's obviously going to pass all day. I think Colorado State's ready for it, even though last year they did get burned. They were kind of outclassed at times. When I look at what Colorado State also has up front, Muhammad Kamara is back eight and a half sacks last year up against a Wazoo front that allowed a lot of sacks. So I think this is an opportunity. Twelve and a half is just over that key number of 10 for me. It was enough to push me in that direction for this opener at Canvas Stadium. It's going to be rocking. Everything I'm reading on Twitter is they're close to a sellout. Hopefully they get there and it's a wild scene. I'm also sprinkling on the money line plus 380. I know that I'm wearing the green and gold sunglasses here, but what are your thoughts on the Rams in week one? Yeah, I love it. I'm actually writing this game up for the Action Network website. Um, so look for that on Saturday. And yeah, I- I'm taking Colorado State as well. This is one of those games where CLV, baby. Uh, I got it plus 14 and a half. Uh, I'll use, I still like it at 12. I-, I think they could win this game. Uh, a little teaser from my article, a little nugget I was looking up earlier this uh, today. They have uh, a Power 5 team. They've played a Power 5 team at home six times since 2007. They are 5-1 and one against the spread in those games, three of which they won outright. Two of those three wins came against Pac-12 teams. So they have had success at home against the Power 5. You mentioned it. We're, we're all aboard uh, the Rams this year. I think it starts here. I'm not a big fan of uh, Cam Ward. I think he's – people. he was a lot of hype coming in, and I, I was not impressed with him last year. He's not someone that really scares me all that much. So, yeah, I love it. Could be a burgeoning future Mountain West Conference rivalry between Wazoo and Colorado State. And also, one last uh, little note to throw in here. Yes, Colorado State was 3-9 and nine last year straight up. But when you look at what Jade Norvell did at Nevada, it was a very similar start for him, 3-9 and nine with the Wolfpack, and then a plus-five year-over-year win increase. I foresee something similar for Colorado State. I think they're going to be a tough out here and flirt with the outright upset. What's your best bet of week number one? Yeah, for my best bet, something I actually teased earlier this offseason, uh, I'm going with the Fresno State-Purdue under 48-and-a-half. Um, with the new clock rules, I'm looking to target unders a lot early on as teams kind of adjust to these new rules. And I also like the fact that these are two teams you typically associate with a high-powered offense, you know, the Aiden O'Connell, Jake Hanner offenses. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both gone. Jeff Brom's off to Louisville. Ryan Walters comes in from Illinois. Defensive coordinator for Illinois, defensive coordinator for Missouri before that. I think he's going to be a great coach, but, you know, he's a defensive-minded coach. And, yeah, they brought in Graham Harrell as the new OC. You know, they're going to run the air raid. They ran it at – they threw the ball at USC under Harrell. But last year's West Virginia team was pretty well-balanced. They ran the ball a lot for an air raid. They were way more successful running the ball. And, you know, Purdue ranked 14th in plays per game last year. Fast, upbeat. They're going to slow down dramatically. Uh, as good as Fresno State was on offense, you know, they were 85th in pace. They were they play very slow. Aiden O'Connell's gone. Charlie Jones is gone. By the way, Aiden O'Connell looked really good for the Raiders. Like, with, with Jimmy G's injury, he's going to start some games this year, but whatever. Uh, Charlie Jones is gone. Payne Durham is gone. You know who's back? Devin Mockaby, four of their five offensive linemen. They're going to run the ball. Hudson Card is talented. But to first start, you know, I expect them to lean on the run here. Fresno State lost their entire offense. Hayner, Mims, Cropper, Remigio, Pope, Kelly, everybody. Everyone's gone. Mikey Keene is named the starter from UCF. Uh, you know, made 11 starts, 23 touchdowns, 7 picks. He's good. He wasn't great. I think there's a reason he left UCF. 
So they're going to have a complete new offense, complete new quarterback, new running back, new wide receivers. And the Fresno State defense was terrific last year. They were 31st in success rate. Their secondary is terrific. So even if Hudson Card is throwing the ball, Cam Lockridge is a stud. He led the conference in picks. I love this Fresno State secondary. Up front, they have a great front seven. They return a ton. Purdue's defense was sneaky pretty good last year. They were 43rd in the country, brought back two great safeties. Like I mentioned, I love what Walters does to the secondary. So because both teams have new quarterbacks, new offenses, I think they're going to run. They're both going to lean on the run. They're going to kind of ease into this game. And I just trust both defenses more than the offenses at this point. So I think the total is a tick too high. So I'm going to go under Fresno and Purdue. I like it. I, I think that's all sound reasoning. And I do think with some new coaches on the Purdue side and also trying to work in some new offensive pieces on the Fresno side, it does make sense that we're going to see a little bit more running and the pace. It, it just, it can't be overstated how important pace and the new clock rules are going to work together hand in hand. And Fresno's really slow. Yeah. Fresno's slow. And I think also the gambling public and odds makers are going to be a little slow to react. They need a bigger sample size in week one unders paid out for the seven games. It wasn't like a tidal wave of unders cashing. So at and this to point, be fair and uh, the UMass over was ridiculous. That was, that, that was an under, um, that's an honorary under. What was it like? It was like 14 to 10 going into the fourth quarter or some ridiculous thing. Yeah, I think they scored like 42 points there. Yeah. Diego Pavia almost got his head removed. He was throwing passes with, you know, a backwards helmet on at one point. So hopefully we get to talk about Pavia again on the podcast, but I, I took it on the chin there. All right, we're going to hop into the G5 round robin. That means we're going to give you five picks every single week. You can pair them up as a parlay. You can go ahead with a round robin. I always prefer to go with the round robin by twos. So you create multiple two-team parlays. Gives you an opportunity to go three and two and make money. Four and one, you're killing it. Five and oh, obviously, you're making a lot of dough. I'm going to start by fading a group of five team that uh, I have no problem fading. I talked about it during the Sun Belt preview. How dare you? How dare you? Butch Jones, Butch don't kill my vibe. You are about to get fired, my man. Your team is no good. Uh, it is, honestly, I don't understand how he's made it this far, like with Arkansas State. Last year, they kind of looked lifeless at times, and that was with a quarterback who could kind of play. Now they got JT Shrout from Colorado. Everything I saw from him in Colorado, he could not play. But I'm going to start with the Oklahoma side of this. Jeff Lebby as their OC. I went back and I dug into his numbers at UCF with Dylan Gabriel at Ole Miss as the offensive coordinator, and then last year in Norman, when he was a double-digit favorite as the play caller, he's 11-5 and five against the spread. His team's average 47 points per game. They dropped some huge bombs on teams as major favorites. So what I like is that he puts his foot down the accelerator. This is an opportunity for a showcase game for Dylan Gabriel. There's also a showcase game for Brent Venables. I think you can make a lot of arguments. Is he the right guy or the wrong guy to run a program? Does he really kind of gravitate towards what it takes to be a head coach and to be kind of a CEO and overlooking every element of the program and doing a great job recruiting 24-7 and recruiting the portal and everything else? You make all those arguments in one direction or another. What I don't think you can make an argument against is his coaching acumen on the defensive side of the ball. And he just didn't have the guys last year. He should have gone in with the Deion Sanders approach and said, everybody who's, you know, not an all big 12 performer, like hit the bricks. I'm just going to get some transfers in here. Instead, he went and was like very patient with guys. He basically said it in, you know, direct questioning about Deion Sanders. He's like, I wanted to give everyone like a grace period, a one year period to figure out where they fit. Well, now he goes into the portal finally, gets a defensive lineman and Rondell both Rod from Wake Forest, linebacker Desan McCullough from Indiana, safety from Texas Tech and Reggie Pearson. 
And this five-star kid at the edge, everyone's been buzzing about all offseason. I'm going to really work hard not to mispronounce his name. Adepoju Adabare, five-star edge rusher. I'm telling you, in this game, he's going to have at least two tackles for loss. Because when you look at this you know, offense for Arkansas State, I don't think they're going to be able to protect Shroud, and I think he's going to be on the run for the majority of this game. So when I look at the Sooners, I think an entire offseason of focusing on defense. They finished 88th in success rate, unacceptable. 79th in explosiveness allowed, same. 49th in havoc. I think the havoc gets cranked up in a game like this. And then when they have the ball, Arkansas State's defense, holy crap. I mean, 2021, they were 95th in pass D, 119th in pass plays of 30-plus yards allowed. It got even worse from a big play allowed standpoint through the air in 2022. And they kept the defensive coordinator. We talk about this every year at the beginning of the season. There's reason for optimism if you go and get kids in the portal and you get a new coaching staff with a new strategy. They didn't do that. And when you look at what they have, they only have eight starters returning in total and both specialists, 51% of their line starts. I really was trying to squint to see if there's anything I was missing here, but I, for my power rankings, have this at 42 and a half. So I have a touchdown worth of value. I'm going to take Oklahoma to lower the boom, really get that bad taste of a six and seven season out of their mouth and start off with a big win over the Red Wolves. What do you think about fading arguably the worst team in the Sun Belt? I always like doing that, but honestly, my take on it, and I obviously didn't, didn't dig into this game from like an X's and O's standpoint. I like it because when I look at these week one matchups, when it's often, you know, Cupcake City for some of these big teams, I like to look at what is their motivation for running it up? You know, mm-hmm. Alabama has nothing to prove. Georgia has nothing to prove. Michigan has nothing to prove against East Carolina. You know, Alabama winning by 80 this week doesn't do anything to give you confidence or lose confidence in Alabama. Oklahoma has to listen to Texas's back all freaking offseason. They're like odds on favor in the conference. You were already hearing some Venables hot seat talk. You started that argument saying, is he the right guy? I think Oklahoma has, they, they want to flex. I think they want to get the taste of last season out of their mouth. I think winning by 60 is is a statement for them. They're like, hey, we're better. We're here to play. You know, we, we've taken a step forward. I have a team, you know, not the hot seat talk, but I have a team similar where I think there is a, they want to make a statement. I have a team I'll talk about later. But just from that aspect alone, I like Oklahoma because I think they have a reason to try to build some excitement around that program. That's how to listen to Texas back for five months. I also want to toss in just with Dylan Gabriel, like the kid got banged up last year, but when he was healthy, he cooked a bunch of teams. Like he had lots of games with three plus touchdowns. He had some really nice performances down the stretch. He looked pretty good in the bowl game, which by the way, how much different is the narrative on Oklahoma if they beat FSU in that bowl game? And they were right there. So I view that as, you know, people say there's no moral victories. I'm looking at it from a gambling perspective. I view that as they went ahead and jumped up in my power rankings based on how they played Florida State, as opposed to just viewing it from a wins and loss perspective. And then the last piece, they got a five-star kid who's the backup. So he'll probably get some some run in this game, and he certainly wants to play well and to kind of show out in front of the home crowd. So I like that element. You saw it a little bit with USC going to their bench against San Jose State, they still ran the offense. And I still think in the portal era, you want to give your highly touted freshmen and backup quarterbacks as as much of an opportunity as possible to stack some stats and put some things on the highlight reel to get some confidence. And I think that's what we're going to see with OU here. All right, what are you adding on to the round, Robin? All right, for my first pick, I got the under out of the way. Let's take it over. SMU, La Tech. Over 65 and a half. I already locked this in. This is one of my favorites of the week. Wait well, if, you, if you have skipped all our preview pods 
and this is your first episode, let me be the first to welcome you to the Stone Age in Dallas, Texas. This kid is going to sling it. I've said it a hundred times. Former four-star recruit, rocket arm. He's also more mobile than Mordecai, which I haven't really mentioned as much. This is the best wide receiver room in the G5 for my money. Rasheed Rice is gone. Jordan Curley, Mookie Dixon, Jake Bailey, tight end RJ Maryland. They added a wide receiver from Miami, a wide receiver from TCU. I think they're going to be loaded. Uh, Jalen Knighton transferred in from Miami, and he takes over at running back. And by the way, this is sometimes you get these power five guys that like were there as a freshman, didn't make, didn't earn the job in transfer. No, no, no. He was their leading rusher in 2021. He had over 70 yards per game. He was second on the team last year. Like this is a dude who played for Miami a lot. Their offense should their their offense should realistically name their number in this game because sure you know FIU couldn't complete a forward pass against Louisiana Tech, but I think that's just because Grayson James is horrific. I don't think it was really anything that Law Tech did. And, and to be honest, I think that's great for us because if they had played a functional team, they probably would have got exposed as a defense that, who knows, maybe they got better. All I know is last year on tape, Law Tech's defense yeah, did, was horrific. Did, did Law Tech even have safeties on the field? Like I assume they just took them off the field in the second half and just put in two more defensive linemen because like this dude can't even reach us. And But what I did like was, I mentioned Jalen Knighton, Samari Lawrence, who was supposed to be FIU's backup running back, had 139 yards on the ground. He averaged 9.3 yards per carry. What do you think Jalen Knighton is going to do? He might score every time he touches the football. And on the other side, the SMU defense was terrible last year. And while I like them from an overall season outlook, that's why I bet them a thousand different ways, they returned just four starters. And, you know, they have a ton of transfers. It might take a few games for them to fully gel. As much as I hate Hank Bachmeyer, and he looked every bit of Hank Bachmeyer in the, in the early bit of that game, having this week zero game under the belt really helps him because he did settle in nicely in the second half. He finished with over 300 yards. Smoke Harris is still an absolute electric factory. They got Cyrus Allen. They got Nate Jones. They have weapons. You know, They have like three running backs. I think two and a half of them are hurt. But I saw one of them supposed to play. The other one's trending in the right direction. But they have depth there, so I'm not super concerned about that. And I mentioned with the Fresno game, the pace. SMU was fourth in the country in plays per game last year. They averaged 80 plays per game. And, you know, La Tech was 45th. So that's not that far behind. That's still top third of the league. So both of these teams play fast. So I don't know that the clock rules will have as much effect when they're running to the ball and snapping it regardless. Like I said, I think SMU names their number here. They get, you know, 45-14. Did I just... Does that hit? Did I do the math right in my head? Probably not. 50 to 17. I don't know. Whatever. I think SMU names their number. And I think La Tech will be able to get enough against this SMU defense that's still trying to gel and get and go. No, 45-7 does not work. That would be bad. It's going to be 54 to 17. That'll, that'll hit it. I like this game to go over. I don't think the clock rules affect as much. So give me SMU La Tech over 65 and a half. I think you're making you know cogent points on the Purdue-Fresno game, having a slower pace and the clock rules aiding and under. And in this case, these teams, well, I mean, SMU already wants to play at lightning yeah. pace. We're going to lose, lose four plays, maybe? A little bit. If, if game flow-wise, LaTuck is behind, they're going to play with a bit more urgency. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get it on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets 
if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, just a reminder to our audience, you're listening into the BBOC. This is a Group of Five Deep Dive what we ask of you, dear audience member, is please check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe, comment, go through, subscribe on your podcast feeds, comment there as well, because we are going to give away some swag and merch to our favorite five-star reviews throughout the season. So please do that. It really does help us in the overall rankings and the reach. We want to get into as many households as possible here. You know, the Action Network is growing and you're a big part of it. All right, back to the round robin here. UCLA laying 14 and a half versus Coastal Carolina. This could be the first one that you disagree on. And I'm just going to get the negatives out of the way right away. There's clear drawbacks. Is, is Chase Atlanta. Garber the negative? Is Chase Garber the negative? Hold on here. The drawbacks <laughs> are clear that there is zero home field advantage in Pasadena. UCLA is 7 and 11 as a home favorite under Chip Kelly. They're rotating three quarterbacks. I know that Garbers is listed as a starter, but Kelly has been clear. He wants to play Schley. He wants to play Dante Moore. I would be worried about this if it wasn't for the fact that Colin Wilson laid this out perfectly during the Pac-12 preview. Ryan Gunderson was able to take DTR from an ineffective player who was boomer bust, really coached him up, turned him into an all-conference kind of player. And I think in this game, particularly if they get to Moore, who everyone's been raving about his accuracy, I think they could lay it on a Coastal Carolina defense that's pretty lousy. But let me continue to go down some of the reasons why this number is not 20 and a half and is sitting here at 14 and a half. UCLA only returns 39.4% of their line starts, but they're anchored by Duke Clemens at center, who started 21 straight games. They also have some interesting talent on the offensive line. And really, this is where I start to flip over to the defense and why I start to get fired up about this. I know how I'm going to reel you back in, Ionello. Danton Lynn, defensive coordinator, former Penn Stater, spent just about 10 years in the NFL. And Man. when you look at what the Ravens have done in terms of assistance being plucked from their staff going to the college level, every single defense gets better. You saw what happened at Michigan. It was yeah. night and day once they got some Ravens coaches in there. I love the potential for this defense to be better, certainly better as pass rushers. They get the Murphy brothers. They killed it in the portal. They were 10th overall in portal rankings. One that was super underrated, but not for you know two guys like us who watch so much Mac football. Jordan Anderson was one of the best defenders in the entire Mac. They get him at safety, a four-star, as he's rated in the transfer portal. They also get Carson Steele bringing his alligator in from Muncie, Indiana. He comes from Ball State. 
And then when I'm up against, I know that the musical chairs at quarterback is going to scare people away. I think they're going to be explosive because this Coastal Carolina defense is, they're just so bad. 109th in scoring last year, 113th against the pass. And that was with a top 25 pass rush. Josiah Stewart is gone. His 16 career sacks are off to Michigan. Negative three in the net tarp on defense. New staff overall, new DC. I just kept thinking to myself, like, yeah, but like, what if Grayson McCall goes for 300 yards in this game? What if he, you know, has three or four touchdowns? Even with McCall balling out against Troy and Old Dominion down the stretch last year, they lose 45-26 to Troy and they lose 49-21 to Old Dominion. Kid doesn't play defense. He is an all-timer. He'll always be in my heart. I love what he's done for the game of college football. I'm not even being facetious here. Like the fact that he turned Coastal Carolina into a name brand is amazing. This defense gave up 53 freaking points in the bowl game. This defense sucks, and I have no problem watching UCLA run around, run through, run over them in this game. I think, you know, the travel also isn't great going cross-country. I know they're going to be playing in front of, like, you know, 7,500 fans. doesn't matter to me. I'm going to lay the points. My numbers call for this to be closer to 20, and I'm getting it at 14.5. Shop around. You may be able to, you know, squeeze a number right at kickoff at 14. Obviously, there'd be extra value there, but I'm adding that to the round robin. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I do like you said, of, oh, if Grayson throws for 300 yards, UCLA's used to that. That's kind of how they play. All their games in the Pac-12 are shootouts like that. They're used to, you know, playing games like that where Coastal's really not in the Sun Belt. I, you said at the top, if they came out and said Dante Moore is our guy, he's QB1, he's starting, I'd be honest with you. I'd be hammering it. I probably would climb. I don't like Garbers. I think Colin Schley stinks. I hope he doesn't take a snap. I'm not totally disagreeing with you because if they're going to rotate them and, you know, Moore's the best and gets to play the whole second half, then, yeah, I think they pull away and they win. I, I have a UCLA future to uh, reach the Pac-12 championship at, like, plus 600, mostly because I love Moore. I think he's going to be a stud. I, I love his accuracy. I think he's going to be good early. I don't like the other two, though. So the fact that he's starting Garbers, I don't like it. So I'm staying away from that aspect. But I'll be rooting. I may live bet this as soon as Dante Moore comes in. So I'm not totally against you, but I'm not. I'm not taking it. All right, need back to back from you to wrap up the round robin here in week one. All right, I'm going with one. I'm very curious if you're going to be on board with me here. Two teams we both love. I'm taking South Alabama plus seven. This okay. is an exciting I'm game. This exciting game. Is South Alabama the favorite in the Sun Belt, or is Troy still the favorite? Uh, I believe they just edged ahead. It, it's more or less a coin flip. In terms so you got of the favorite in the Sun Belt against the favorite in the American. South Alabama was 10-3 and three last year, and they they lost to UCLA by one. That DTR UCLA at the Rose Bowl. They lost to Troy by four. They lost to Western Kentucky in the bowl game. That was it. This offense hummed under Carter Bradley. They were 26th in passing success rate. They returned their top two leading receivers. They have a loaded tight end room. Running back with Damian Webb was all conference. He had over 1,000 yards, 13 scores. Four of the five offensive linemen are back. And we talked about it in the previous show. Tulane just loses a boatload on defense. And it's not like, oh, G5 guys, they have you know 12 guys graduate because they're 30. No, they lost like four guys to the NFL. Dorian Williams, Macon Clark. Jaden Kennedy transferred to Ole Miss. Larry Brooks is gone. I think Nick Anderson's in the NFL. They have just three starters back on defense. So I yeah, think I mean, this is the way wave my arms here. This is the greatest Tulane team of all time that just played last year. And a huge portion of it's gone. Like it gone. only makes sense 
that there'd be at least a little bit of a dip. And here comes a Sunbelt favorite. It's not like, you know, some team that needs everything to go right to beat them. So I'm with you so far. Keep feeding me. Sunbelt team returning basically their entire offense against this revamped defense. Michael Pratt's back. We love Michael Pratt. You will hear no Michael Pratt slander out of these mouths. But Tajay Spears is gone. And he was so good for them down the stretch. Their top two receivers are gone. Pratt is going to need to do it all in this game. And while he might, this Jaguars defense was fantastic. They were 26th in the country in success rate, both against the run and the pass. They were third in the country in rushing yards per game. They were defending the rush. They returned their entire defensive line, all their linebackers, all their secondary except two guys. One of those new starters missed all of last season with an injury. He was second team all conference in 2021. So they basically have one new starter on a defense that was top 26 in the country. I just like what South Alabama has more. I'm going to be honest with you. I almost picked them as my underdog parlay pick. I think they win the game and I'll certainly take the touchdown. I didn't make him my underdog just out of respect for Michael Pratt, Willie Fritz and this Tulane team, but they just have so many pieces to replace. I think losing Spears is going to be a huge problem. And I love what South Alabama has and what they're bringing back. So like I said, I think they win the game and I'm certainly going to take the touchdown. Yeah. In terms of what you would play it down to as a part of this round, Robin, where are you comfortable? Five and a half, six, somewhere. Yeah, right? Six probably. I mean, like I said, I think they win. So, but you know, I think it will be a good game. So I'll, I'll take it down to six. All right. Here in week one, you're doing the heavy lifting three of the five round Robin picks. What's the last one? <laughs> I screwed this up. I should have flipped my order. I don't want to end on the negative note. (laughs) I think Wisconsin absolutely pumps Buffalo. Minus 27 and a half. And they went by four plus touchdowns. We mentioned the motivation for Oklahoma with the hot seat. I think Luke Fickle has a lot to prove because he's turned down a lot of jobs. He has stayed in the G5 for a long time after failing as the interim coach at Ohio State. I think he has a statement to make. I think Luke Fickle wants to say, I'm here. This is a new Wisconsin team. Got a new OC in Phil Longo. Quarterback Tanner Mordecai, another one I think has to flex his muscles. Mordecai was a highly rated recruit. Couldn't win the job at Oklahoma. Dropped down to the G5. Lit up SMU for two years. He threw for over 7,000 yards and 72 touchdowns in two years. I think he has a lot to prove. Like, hey, I can compete at this level. Braylon Allen, uh, might 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 be the best running back in the country. You know, if he's not, he's certainly in the conversation. He's, I think, unarguably top five. I mean, certainly running into six man boxes instead of nine man boxes this season, he's got a benefit. And when it's, you look at what's going to be night and day for him in this offense, and, and everyone thinks minds featuring a running back if he's really good or a pair of running backs. So yeah, I, I like everyone that. everyone thinks back. You know, thinks Drake May throw the ball around like he had two thousand yard rushers with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So I they're going to run the ball. It's still Wisconsin. They still got the big hog mollies up front. They're going to run the ball with Bray Lown. And Mordecai is seven times the quarterback that Graham Mertz is. So, and I'm just not high on this Buffalo team. I don't think Cole Snyder is very good. They have no weapons. Their most experienced receiver caught 17 passes last year. They were 130th at preventing explosiveness last year. They give up a ton of big plays. And, you know, Again, you don't think of Wisconsin as this explosive offense. They were 82nd in explosiveness last year. Well, North Carolina was 31st and Cincinnati was 38th. So you have to kind of shed this notion of like, oh, it's Wisconsin. They're going to stack the box, two tight ends. No, they're going to score. And I think if I think this goes back to the motivation. I think if they want to, Wisconsin can absolutely truck them. So I'm going to lay the number. 
and hope they choose to keep their foot on the gas. I'm certainly not on the other side of this bet from you. I can't talk myself into Buffalo scoring enough points to you know prevent a runaway in this game. However, this is a wait and see for me purely because of what Fickle did with his best team at Cincinnati. You saw him keep the governor on the offense at times, and that's with an NFL quarterback in Ritter, and then also all these like excellent pieces. Like they had the Alabama transfer at running back. They they were dynamic when they wanted to be in the pass game, but like he was almost playing NFL style, where it's like if we win by ten, that's great. Like I just want to get out of here with a W. I want to see him turn it over to Longo and be like, we got to start slashing okay. some throats here in the Big Ten and like make a statement right away. So that's why maybe it's like a live bet situation. I want to see the very first drive, the run pass, you know, the tempo, all of it. I want to see how it all fits together. But I can't really make an argument against fading Buffalo. We Keep got point. That is that is the only concern is, is Fickle can be frustrating sometimes. Really, He almost looks like he's not trying, which is kind of my fear. Like I said, I think if they try, like how much do you think Buffalo scores? Like I think if they try, Wisconsin wins just like 42 to 7. It's just like, yeah. are they up 28 nothing and Fickle like doesn't throw another pass? I think you're just flexing your math on the fly now. You're like, that definitely covers yeah. 42 <laughs> 7. That is a winner, baby. I pulled out, I right. pulled out, I pulled out my calculator. <laughs> Speaking of winners, the underdog money line parlay every single week, we're going to put together two. Hopefully, get a huge winner for you parlaying them together. Last year, we took some big shots, some big swings. We won't get into our batting average, but this year I'm going to start with a team. If I was hammering on UCLA for not having a home field advantage, how about Temple? I grew up in Philadelphia. I still live in the Philly suburbs. There'll be like 10,000, 12,000 people at this game. You know, at the Should we go? You want to go? I think, I think there's a chance that we may need to go because, you know, we're zipped up, baby. You know, Akron is our team this year in the MAC. We love Jomo. They're plus 310 on the money line in this game, and I think that's too generous. I think this line should be closer to like, you know, four and a half, five, instead it's 10. And I'll just run through all the things I like about Akron. They return over 70% of their line starts. They got a quarterback in DJ Irons, who had plenty of explosive games last year. He had three games with over 300 yards passing, ran for 100 yards against Bowling Green, who was a bowl team. At running back, they bring in Lorenzo Lingard from the portal, former Gatorade player of the year in the state of Florida at running back, Alex Adams at wide receiver, a former LSU transfer. There's just talent everywhere. It's the same question that I have with Colorado State, which is your offensive line was absolute trash last year. Can you go from an F to a C, C minus? Can you give this kid some time to operate? Because when you look at how close they were for a team that went two and 10 last year, their record was just littered with single possession losses, touchdown is central Michigan, six points to Kent, six points to Eastern Michigan, one at Buffalo at the end of the year. I know is a very meaningful game for a lot of us who had the over on the Akron win total. I just, I, I really think this offense is primed to go against a temple defense. That was by no means world beaters. They were 95th in scoring D 77th in total D 112th against the run. We know what Akron wants to do in the Jomo system. They want to go fast. They want to get those, you know, linebackers with their hands on their hips, tired, mid-drive, missing some tackles. Now, Temple was disruptive. They were 28th in TFLs, and I think that's really where the offensive line improvements are going to mean so much here for Akron, because if they can get a little bit better and keep them out of their backfield, stay ahead of the sticks, I think this is an opportunity for them to score, you know, high 20s, maybe 30s in this game, and they're probably going to need to do so. You know, Warner's son is a solid quarterback. He certainly was one of the few freshmen you know, at the G5 level who really shined last year, they threw him into the fire. And I think he he impressed me. But 
overall, they just should not. I think this is just mispriced. I don't think Temple should be a 10-point favorite. They certainly shouldn't be giving away plus 300 tickets to anybody else at the FBS level. And the final piece of it is the turnover regression. Let's go back to the mean. Last year, they were 2-10 and straight up with a negative 1.3 per game turnover margin. That was 127th in the country. Few fumbles, bounces their way. I could see the Zips winning this game outright. I'm rolling the dice right away. Overall, the card, I think there's a lot of teams in that like six to 10 point window that were intriguing. I don't want to steal your thunder. Like Toledo had my attention as well. You had teams like NIU going up to Chestnut Hill, close to a 10 point underdog there. But for me, it's Akron because I think they had the highest ceiling of any dog this week. If their offense clicks, they're going to score in the thirties. I think they'll beat the Owls. Yeah, we may have to go and, and, and root this on. Uh, we, we took we each took a, a power five team to obliterate a G five team, but we are the G five boys. We got to ride with our guys. I'm going with the G five home power five upset. And by the way, I just put it in the calculator. Ten fifty is our payout this week. Give me North Texas plus two twenty. I don't think Cal's very good, and that kind of is as simple as it is. Is I just don't think Cal's very good. You know they won. Uh, Cal last year won 20 to 14 against the UNLV team that lost by 30 to North Texas. The very next week they brought in Jake Spavital as their OC, who we remember fondly from Texas state. And he was not very good. I did not like what they did at all. Sam Jackson's the new quarterback at Cal. Sure. He had electric moments with his legs at TCU. Can he throw the ball? I don't know. When you think of Justin Wilcox, do you think defense? Cal was 130th in the country in defensive success rate last year. They were trash. They create no havoc. They can't tackle. They got torched through the air. By the way, one of those teams that torched them through the air was Washington State. Cam Ward threw for 343 yards and three touchdowns. We mentioned earlier, I don't think Cam Ward's that good. He torched Cal's defense. Well, now the Cougars offensive coordinator at the time, Eric Morris, is the new head coach at Texas State. They're going to throw the ball a lot more, or North Texas, uh, North Texas. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. The quarterback for North Texas is Stone Earl. Based on his name alone, I'm, I mean, he is a stud. His name is Stone Earl. You, you don't think this dude's going to come in here and sling the rock? They also have Chandler Rogers, who's, they're both expected to play. Rogers, we remember from uh, ULM, pretty good with his legs, you know, iffy passer. But again, <laughs> you don't think Stone Earl's going to come in here and pull the upset off? Three-headed studs at running back. Still don't know how they kept them all. Oscar Attaway, Aodai, uh, Akai Ragsdale, Isaiah, Isaiah Johnson, the fourth of them. They're listed the, the, the classic four-way or, or, or at running back. They should put all four of them on the field to start the game. Just an absolute cheese wedge. Give one of them the ball and just plow through this Cal defense. They'll win this game handily. The defense is switching to a 3-3-5 scheme. So you kind of don't know what you're to expect from the defense. But they have some studs in their secondary. Rich Tejada is sick. Logan Wilson's a really good safety. If this Cal defense is as bad as it was last year, North Texas can absolutely win this game at home. North Texas is 25-11 and 11 at home since 2017. 69% win rate. Very nice. And again, dude, their quarterback's name is Stone Earl. You don't think this dude's ready to pull off an upset? So I just don't think Cal's very good. So give me a G5 team at home against a pretty bad Power 5 team at plus 220, and we parlay these together, it is a 10-50 payout. You hit two stone quarterbacks in one episode. <laughs> it is the stone age. I must be really stone. I got to say, I love it. I am going to put one little caveat from a live betting perspective. 
I think if Akron falls down by seven, 10 points, the Jomo offense, it's momentum based. You can see it when they start clicking and that read option is really working and they're, you know, tagging on the RPO stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, they hit three or four big plays, boom, touchdown. In the North Texas Cal game, I think because the only element of the entire Cal team that scares me is Sam Jackson as a runner and Jaden Ott as a runner together, whether they're running option together or they're running read, you know, the mesh, all of those things. If they are allowed to run the ball and not have to abandon it because they're playing from behind, I think they're going to be able to move the football a little bit. You know, losing Katie Shark Davis for the middle of that North Texas defense hurts. But to your point, if they fall down early and they have to start throwing the ball into one of the most seasoned G5 pass defenses, like I think this is and, in a really nice spot. And you allow North Texas to just run the ball with those four backs down their throat. That's what I'm saying. I, I probably wouldn't date this if it was on the road, but you, if the home crowd can get North Texas up early, and then you mention it, then it just plays right in their favor, make him throw, let that North Texas run the ball. I think he's got a chance. I don't think Cal's very good. I have a, here's, here's a good question for you. Here's a good handicap. Between Preston Stone and Stone Earl having money on both of them, how many times do I tweet a Bam Bam gif this week? Because we are fully in the Stone Age. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. From the town of Bedrock, they're a page right out of history. Certainly not enough. I mean, this is what we need after, you know, the Diego Pavia. I had a sound drop ready to go for him. Diego, Diego. You know, he did not he did not come to play until garbage time of that game <laughs> against UMass. So we need to get some uh, some new swag and some some good some good vibes going for for this week here in week one. All right, I'm going to run through my card real quick. Colorado State plus 12 hosting Wazoo, another G5 team hosting there at Campus Stadium. For my best bet for my round robin additions, I got OU laying 35 against the dead corpse of Butch Jones. And then for my second addition to the round robin, UCLA laying 14 and a half against Grayson McCall and the Shants. And then my upset, Akron plus 310 against Temple. All right, I know. Could you run our audience through your card real quick? Yep. Fresno State at Purdue under 48 and a half. La Tech, SMU over 65 and a half. South Alabama plus seven against Tulane. Like that down to about six. Uh, Wisconsin minus 27 and a half against Buffalo. Like that anything under four touchdowns. And then North Texas plus 220 to pull off the upset at home against Cal. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been another edition of BBOC, the Group of Five Deep Dive. Please listen and subscribe over on YouTube as well as your podcast feed and a programming reminder that you'll be able to catch Colin and Stucky for the full week one preview. It's going to come a day early because games are starting on Thursday. So that's going to drop Thursday morning to get you prepared. And the debut of the live show on Saturday, getting all of the latest line movement injury intrigue quarterback battles that are sorting themselves out in the final week leading up to the the start of the season we're gonna have it all for you on saturday you can check that out over on youtube we'll also be streaming it on twitter or x as they're calling it these days so please be sure to check that out as well thank you so much for listening and hopefully we can get you off to a great start to your college football season Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.